This is the Growing Up Rock Podcast with your hosts, Stephen Michael and Sonny Hollywood Pooney. Now, crank it up. Right there, Hollywood. I'm going to get straight to the point. I'm going to keep this short and sweet. Basically, we had the opportunity to talk to Zach Wilde. He talked to me all about the new Black Label Society album that's coming out on November 26th, which, by the way, is Black Friday. So that just kind of goes hand in hand. We talk about marketing. That's a perfect marketing coup, I guess you would call it. They're releasing their 11th studio album, Doom Crew, Inc., and uh, yeah, it was fun to talk to Zach. You're a Zach fan, right? Yeah, big Zach fan. Uh, unfortunately, I wasn't part of the interview, just couldn't make the timing work out with work and et cetera. Uh, but, you know, he always comes off as a likable, funny, interesting, and smart guy every time he gets interviewed. So it's kind of nice to have people representing the music you like that way. I'll tell you, like with D going in front of the PMRC, and Blackie Lawless, like I remember being, oh yeah, those are my guys up there. See, they're not all stupid, right? So uh, it's kind of, and he comes off, you know, Zach can come off goofy sometimes. I get it, but uh, he's definitely a fun guy, which that's that's rare, I think. Yeah, without a doubt, he's very fun to talk to, very nice, and just one hell of a guitar player. I mean, <laughs> that dude shreds. He is definitely a guitar hero in my eyes. And the new Black Label Society record, Doom Crew, Inc., again, that's out on November 26th. The single has already been released called Set You Free. And what an interesting video, right? (laughs) You've seen the video for this song? Oh, yeah. It's a fun video. And Zach talks about it in the interview a little bit. I also liked in the interview that Zach is all about giving props to his guys, man. This guy is not Ingve. Right. He is not one of those nah. headstrong, I'm the best on the planet. Of course you love me. You should love me. Mm-hmm. You know, he's more the guy, why do you love me? And why do you keep listening? Like, I don't understand why you keep coming back. Yeah, no doubt. And I'll be honest with you on this album, it's very apparent that he shares 
the guitar solos with Dario Lorena on guitar. I mean, he and Dario go back and forth, and it's just amazing. The band, once again, features Zach on guitars, piano, and vocals, Dario Lorena on guitars, J.D. DeServo on bass, and Jeff Fab on drums, and it's just a tight record. Uh, I really have enjoyed kind of previewing this record over the course of the last month. I think Black Label fans are going to definitely dig this record. If you're listening to this interview on the day that it's released, stay tuned because Sonny and I thought it would be fun to share our top 10 Zach songs. And so the upcoming episode, which we'll release on Sunday, is our top 10 Zach Wild songs, which kind of spans his entire career, right, Sonny? And my picks were much better than yours, and I'm sure the <laughs> listeners will absolutely agree. I don't think your picks are any better than mine. I think <laughs> the picks are good on both sides of the fence, and I think the listeners are going to dig the picks. If you're a Black Label fan, if you're an Ozzy fan, if you're a Pride and Glory fan, a Book of Shadows fan, Zach can do no wrong. There's definitely some great picks in there. And uh, as we always say, when we're picking our top 10, of course, at that moment, right? Mine doesn't change. So it, you're the only one that keeps saying that. Yeah, I guess that's true. You're kind of concrete on your shit, but you're an idiot. So, you know, there's oh, that. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'm sorry. Was that out loud? You would think I would be well rested after the uh, vacation, wouldn't you? Yeah, I know. You kind of came back feisty a little bit. What's that all about? I know. Maybe I caught the uh, Rona <laughs> while I was on vacation. I, I think it has something to do with they wanted you to wear a mask when it was 130 degrees outside. Yeah, they did. They tried to make me wear a mask in, in uh, the Dominican Republic while I was outside and nobody was around. And, you know, the sun down there closer to the equator is like, uh, I don't know, 130 in the shade. Something like that. That would that would have killed me before uh, the Rona would have killed me. <laughs> I was huffing and puffing and turning red. My wife's like, are you okay? I'm like, I don't think so. I need to take this mask off. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's crazy. Sweating up a storm. Anyway, so like we said, we hope that you guys will enjoy this interview with Zach Wild. If you're listening to it on the day that it is released, or if you're listening to it a month down the road, go and seek out the Grown Up Rock episode that we share our top 10 Zach Wilde songs, which cover kind of his career through Black Label and Ozzy and other things that he's done. And uh, we hope you guys will enjoy that episode as well. Again, the new Black Label Society album, Doom Crew Inc., is coming out on November 26th. And I think you guys are going to dig it because I've been listening to it for about the past month and I think it's awesome. So go out there and get you some Black Label Society. Check out our top 10 with Zach Wild and uh, enjoy this interview. Sonny, you have anything else to add? Nope. Thanks for listening. Here comes Zach. See ya. Later. What is shaking? Zach Wild, Black Little Saudi, all doing a hang on Grown Up Rock Podcast with Steve and Michael. Yeah.
Zach Wild, welcome to the Growing Up Rock podcast. How are you, brother? I'm doing good, my brother. What's happening, Father Steve? Everything, man. Such a pleasure to have you on the show. Definitely an honor for us here at Growing Up Rock. We've supported Crazy Zach's career all throughout. Time with Ozzy, the Black Label Society, Pride and Glory, Book of Shadows, all kinds of things. So it, it really is an honor to have you here on the podcast for sure. Appreciate it, brother. We're going to cover all things Doom Crew, Inc., the new album coming from Black Label Society. But first, I want to kind of take a trip around and uh, poke around different things for your career. So let me ask you this. What made you pick up a guitar versus another instrument? You started a little later. I think you were 14. Is that correct? You started when you were like 14 years old? Yeah. I mean, I actually like dedicated myself to playing. You know what I mean? Not not just noodling and playing 15 minutes a day. I mean, you're talking about practicing, you know, you get home from school at 2.30, I wouldn't stop practicing until midnight. You know what I mean? And it's crazy to think about because if you really dedicated yourself when you were 14, I think you were in Ozzy's band by 18, right? No, I was about 19, 20 years old. So yeah, so yeah, because 87 was late, late 86, 87 is when I first joined the band. And then, uh, then 88 is when the album came out. Were you like a lot of other guitar players coming up? Were you playing in cover bands around New Jersey and stuff like that before? Yeah, of course. You know what I mean? So, you know, and then we had our little, you know, playing keg parties, house parties, you know, jamming in people's kitchens, you know, the backyard, basements, you know. So yeah, uh, you had that and then playing in clubs for a little bit. And then before you know it, I was playing with the boss. Yeah, that's awesome. And so what was it that brought you to the guitar versus drums or bass or piano or whatever? Well, no, I went over to the coach's house, Mr. Wright, when I was playing Pop Warner. And, uh, you know, the goal was to be Randy White was my guy, Jack Lambert, Dick Butkus, all these guys. So, I mean, the whole thing was my goal was to be a middle linebacker. So, but the whole thing is I couldn't put the weight on is that it was before I discovered female growth hormone and my, you know, <laughs> and my prenatal vitamins. But no, I just, we were over to coach's house and he, he was just like, uh, you know, talking about Zach, you should stick with the football and this and that. And I said, no, nah, if I can't be middle linebacker, I don't feel like playing safety or cornerback or anything like that. And he was just like, well, you know, how about uh, continue playing? But my mother saw a thing out in a guitar, Les Paul sitting in the kitchen. He was just like, oh, do you play uh, guitar, Mr. Ray? And he was like, no, you know, I, I noodle on some country songs, but my son Leroy plays. And the first time I think I ever saw any guy with long hair and a Harley Davidson hat and he came out and he just started shredding Hendrix and zeppelin and sabbath and then started playing crazy train and all you know because at that time ozzy blizzard had just come out so i was just like in awe of just watching watching his hands it just looked like the the coolest thing ever so i was like right there and then i was like that's what i want to do with my life so i ended up studying with leroy about a year and a half i studied with leroy and uh it was great so you know he would teach me you know all my songs from my favorite bands zeppelin and sabbath and acdc and everything like that but then he'd also show me theory and scales and you know how and why things work you know like showing me magic tricks of how like a card trick or like how to do it you know what i mean so yeah he was great without a doubt that's awesome do you remember your first live show with ozzy at all yeah it was pensacola florida with randy castillo john sinclair and geezer and and the boss yeah but pensacola florida was like the first arena show i ever did this is a weird six degrees of separation. So I grew up in Pensacola, Florida. My first gig was at that arena in wow. Pensacola, Florida. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. <laughs> so how weird is that? What was your mindset like at that point? I mean, you played live like some clubs and stuff, but being in front of 12,000 people, that's a whole different thing. Yeah, it was, it was pretty amazing. You know, because I'd seen shows. My first show I ever saw was Mob Rules 
with Sabbath at the Philadelphia Spectrum. And that was like mind blowing. And then, you know, obviously seeing Ozzy play on the Bark at the Moon tour, that was like amazing. And then, you know, so, and now I'm on the stage. So it was, it was, it was pretty crazy to look out, see it. I it was just like mind blown. What nervous at all or anything like that? Yeah, of, of course. You know what I mean? You still get the adrenaline before you get on stage to this day. You know what I mean? Yeah. That never goes away. That never changes. You know, it's just a rush of getting on the ride. So, but yeah, you just, you know, but that's what you put all the work into. That's why that's what you do all the practice for. So you're ready. You just got to relax. That eventually leaves you, right? I mean, like all these years later and all the tons of shows and stuff that you played, it's just kind of second nature now at this point, right? Yeah. Yeah, totally. So let's talk a little bit about the infamous plane ride over to the Moscow Peace Festival, because you were there and there's all kinds of stories. What do you remember? <laughs> Anything you can share with us? Any stories? Oh, no, there was, there was a ton of booze floating around on that thing. I mean, it was <laughs> hilarious. And I mean, because it was just like everyone was going into the uh, duty free shops and buying as much whiskey and vodka and everything like that. that you could, there was no booze on the on the planes. You know what I mean? So you had to get everything in duty free when you were getting on it, but it was hilarious. So, you know, no, it was just nothing but laughs, man, the whole time over there. And, you know, everybody you see in all the other bands you're friends with, and it was, a, it was a great time. Okay. There's been crazy stories that have circulated about that plane ride, I guess, given the fact that 
you know, what the whole idea of the Peace Festival was about. And given all that information, just all these bands, you know, that we loved at that point in time that were huger than huge on this plane ride together. Yeah. No, totally. You had, you know, you had Oz on there. You had Motley Crue. You had Bon Jovi. You had the Scorpions. Uh, Skid Row, who was blowing up at that point. Cinderella was on it. You had everybody on that thing. So, but yeah, I, I, it was a great time. It was a lot of fun. Wow. You never met Randy Rhodes personally, but based on everything I've heard, I don't think that he would still be playing hard rock today. What do you think Randy Rhodes might be doing today if he was still alive? I mean, you know, you never know. I mean, he would have, he might have just went, you know, back home to jamming classical teaching and having a good time, just said, you know, I miss it or whatever. And then hooked up with the Quiet Riot guys. He would have done something with the guys, hooked back up with the boss. You know what I mean? You know, and then still been doing the classical thing, maybe doing all of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And still teaching and, you know, taking breaks and going home, you know, because there's no reason why he couldn't have done all of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. His, uh, his doors would have been open wide yeah, had he been around. Yep. How'd you end up in the movie Rockstar? How was that experience for you? That oh, was great. Uh, Mark Wahlberg's awesome. Jen was awesome. I mean, you know, I'm doing everybody that worked on the, on the movie, Steve Eric, the director, and, and everybody that was in the movie. It was just uh, then jamming with Jason and, and Jeff Pilson and all the guys. So when we did the soundtrack and everything, it was a lot of fun, for sure. How did you end up getting that movie? Ended up in that movie? Um, no, they came down. They approached me because they, they were putting a movie together. And they were like, you know, I was like, let me get this straight. You want me to like, you know, drink beer, play guitar and fire shotguns in the movie. And they were like, yeah, can you do that? I was like, and you're going to pay me for this? And I was just, it was hilarious. Like I said, I, I had a great time doing it. Did the band rehearse as an actual band at any point in time? And well, you guys recorded the soundtrack, right? Some of those original songs. Yeah, we, we did soundtrack and everything like that. But I mean, you know, we jammed in a room for a bit, you know, just to go over the songs and make sure we had them and stuff like that. But uh, and I remember, you know, there was talk of us doing a, a tour together of that band. Right. You know what I mean? So which, yeah, that would have been a, a lot of fun. So, you know, but I mean, like I said, I had a great time doing it. Yeah, I think there's a definite cult following out there of 
Steel Dragon fans. Yeah, totally of the movie. Yeah, because it was it was a it was definitely a goof movie. It was it was pretty good. It was a good movie. It's pretty funny. It would be pretty cool to see you know you and and Millie and Jeff Scott Soto and Pilsen and Bonham out there gigging. You know, even just for a one off would be pretty cool. Yeah, I totally think. put the way you know put dress up in the clothes, do the whole nine yards, the hair metal <laughs> and everything. Totally, <laughs> that would have been pretty cool. So when you started lifting weights and started bulking up, did that change your guitar technique at all? Change the way you played at all? No, not at all, man. I think I had read somewhere where George Lynch had said when he started bulking up, it sort of changed the way he had played. And I was curious whether that was a thing with you or not. No, not with me. I didn't have any of those problems. So I read your book, Bring a Medal to the Children, which, by the way, fun fact, not for children. (laughs) (laughs) This thing had me rolling at points. This was one of the more entertaining (laughs) books that I think I've ever read. How did this book come about? I mean, how did you end up doing a book? I forget how we actually got approached to do it, but I remember uh, when me and Eric were writing the thing, I mean, we were on the floor crying, laughing when we were, you know, writing the thing. I mean, and then the stuff, and like the whole, the crazy thing is like, we didn't even have to elaborate on anything. You know what I mean? Between taking a piss out of ourselves and, and taking a piss out of these stories, yeah, which are, it's like Larry David stuff. You know what I mean? It's like Seinfeld. So we don't, we don't need to even really embellish on any of these stories. This was something that happened to me and you when we were that one day when we were going to get coffee, you know what I mean? And then we'll just write the show around that. You know what I mean? So it's just like, and me and you aren't even making it up. You know what I mean? It's just like, you guys are kidding. That didn't happen when you, I go, I'm not joking. You know? So that's when we were writing the book though. It was me and Eric would definitely cry and laughing the majority of that book. Well, I think that's part of it is at the time of reading that book, I hadn't watched a lot of videos or heard you give a lot of interviews. So I wasn't quite aware of your humor, let's say. And so, <laughs> and so I had to decipher the first time through what was bullshit and what wasn't because I wasn't really, I mean, obviously there's some stuff where it's just like, there's no fucking way this is real. But then there was other stuff where it's like, okay, I think he's actually telling the truth. And then I'd see a video later on where, I don't know, you take a tour of your bathroom at the black Vatican or something. And there's the Linda Blair posters <laughs> and stuff. I'm like, holy shit, that that's all real. So I just, I thought it was an amazing book. It was really entertaining for sure. And some of the stories I would encourage people if they haven't seen that book, bringing metal to the children to go out and pick that up if you want to really be entertained. And something I discovered on the second run through with that book while I was kind of preparing for this is I had Alexa read the book to me (laughs) and getting her to read it in her voice is really entertaining. You should try that just for just for a kick. Have her read like a passage of the book to you and see what you think. <laughs> oh, brutality. Have you ever considered doing stand up <laughs> just as a goof? Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, totally. In between, you know, oh, in between the Zach Sabbath shows, the black label gigs, playing with Oz, Generation X, and then then experience Hendrix. If I could fit it in there between cleaning the dog run and cleaning the dishes and doing the laundry. Yeah. I'll see if I can fit it in. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You must have a ton of people coming at you to test their effects or test guitars or test amps, things like that. I mean, I know that you got wild audio and I know you deal with guitars and amps and everything else, but I'm sure people still come at you. Do you have your tech run through some of these things and test them out before it gets to you? Or do you check them out whenever you have time? How does that work? No, I I just, I have the stuff I use and that's that. 
So, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I, I, it's not so much that I have, you know, guys coming out wanting me to try pedals or this. No, none of that. None of that usually goes down. It's not, not like the early days of Ozzy and everything like that, where that, that kind of stuff would go on. Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. Live Label Society! Not So what's the secret to your long relationship with the warden? No, just, uh, you know, the secret to me and Barb with our marriage is I keep her heavily sedated and I keep her chained in the basement of our house. So <laughs> she really doesn't, she doesn't get out much or anything like that. You know, I keep her away from social media. She doesn't talk and, you know, and it, it seems to be working out fine so far. She's happy. She doesn't, she doesn't know what day it is or she doesn't know my name, but she's smiling. <laughs> 
I figure when you're gone on tour for the majority of the time before COVID, that that probably can be a good thing and a bad thing for a relationship. But then when you're all of a sudden home for a year and a half, it's probably, it can be taxing at times, maybe. <laughs> no, I, I, you know, when I'm on the road, I mean, you know, bar, you know, we have the kids and everything like that. So, I mean, the whole thing is then you make it work, you know, then Barb will come out on the road and, and it's fun. You know, you get a chance to get away and everything like that. So then, and when I'm home, I, I love being home. You know what I mean? So like when, as like you said, I'm always touring all the time. So, you know, just being home for over a year and a half, I cherished every moment of it, you know, walking the dogs every day, you know, taking, taking Sabbath to Jeet Kune Do, taking them to all his karate stuff and being around them all day, you know, taking them to school or whatever, picking them up. I love that. Yeah. So like when we're on the road, I love being on the road as well. I love what I do. I'm truly blessed. Yeah. You got four kids, right? Yeah. Yeah. What What are their age range? Well, our daughter's the oldest and we have three boys. So it's 29, 28, 19, and nine. Oh, wow. I don't think I knew that, that you had a couple that were that old. Yeah. Any of them show any interest in playing at all? Yeah. Our, our two youngest uh, boys are playing. Yeah. So, you know, but I, I don't force anything on any of them. Whatever they're into is what they should be doing. You know what I mean? And when we support them, whatever they want to do. Because you know, I said, whatever it is that makes you happy, whatever you have passion for is what you should be doing. That's that. That's the end of the story. And you've mentioned many times that, you know, if you were a musician and you were given advice, your advice would be, you know, play what you love and and play what moves you. What kind of business, music business advice would you give to some young kid coming up, given the state of the music industry these days? Well, no, I mean, I, I think like is definitely to be involved in it. You know what I mean? Like Gene Simmons, nothing for nothing. He's, you know, seeing how all musicians were getting ripped off and everything. He was like, that's never going to happen to us. Yeah. No, I mean, nothing for nothing. He would just go, we're doing a show for $100. We should get $100. Hey, what are you doing? You only handed me $80. What is that? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, don't don't rip me off. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, like, the way Gene Simmons always looked at it is just like, it's nobody's fault but your own. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you're getting ripped off, that's whose fault is that? Right. You know what I mean? So when, you got to love Gene Simmons in that regard of going, telling young musicians, you guys should be accountable for what's going on. You shouldn't go. We got ripped off. This one ripped this off. That one ripped this off. You know, it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's just like with everybody. I mean, Gene Simmons will tell you, I remember we signed this one dude. We trusted this guy and then we got screwed over, you know? So, I mean, that's unavoidable. You know what I mean? So it just, it's going to happen. So, but I mean, but like for younger musicians, it's great to be able to do this all day, but you, sh you should know, you know, what's going on. Yeah, I think you even had issues with merchandising and stuff from Black Label, right? People were... Yeah, so, you know, and, and that's because if you're not on top of it or you don't pay attention to it, things like that can happen.
Coffee, guitar amps, and anal bleaching kits. Without a doubt. That's <laughs> going to be the big money maker right there. So what's <laughs> what's next? Are you trying to become the next Jimmy Buffett or Sammy Hagar? What's next for Zach? Well, no, I mean, for me, it's no different than, you know, if I had a paper route and then I'm mowing lawns and then I learn how to take care of somebody's pool. You know what I mean? It's just like whatever you can do to so I can save up money for a guitar and an amp. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just like I, I enjoy doing it. I mean, it's not for everybody having your hand in different things, but uh, I enjoy doing it. Yeah. Is it the creative side of you that uh, enjoys it most? Yeah, because I'm, I'm having fun with all of it. I mean, it's, you know, it's like with social media or whatever, you know, we have fun. We have fun with it. Why wouldn't you have a good time with it? You know what I mean? Like when we're making the videos or whatever, it's just like we might as well have a good time while we're doing it. Why, why wouldn't you? Right. Yeah. Zach Sabbath, do you know if Tony Iommi has heard any of this? Did he share any of his thoughts with you on it? No. Well, the whole thing is like people, you know, people don't understand. There's a big picture plan here because of Zach Sabbath is because if the guys, you know, because they signed when they signed their contract with the promoters on the end tour, that's it. It's the end. They, they're signing on knowing that Sabbath will never tour again. So the whole thing is this Zach Sabbath is a backup retirement plan for the band because in case any of them get into a gambling problem and end up going completely broke, this way we do Zach Sabbath featuring Ozzy Osbourne. Then eventually we bring in Zach Sabbath featuring Bill Ward and Ozzy Osbourne, <laughs> Zach Sabbath featuring Geezer, Bill, and Ozzy. Then eventually Zach Sabbath featuring, then we get Tony Iommi in the band. So it is now Zach Sabbath featuring the original Black Sabbath. So then this way they can go back out on the road <laughs> as Black Sabbath and not break any contracts. See, that's brilliant. Your friends and Motley crew, they didn't think that far ahead. <laughs> <laughs> See, this way, this way, Black Sabbath will be fine. In case any of the fellows run out of money, they can go back out as Black Sabbath under the Zach Sabbath moniker. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm hoping that you maybe signed in a percentage of that for yourself. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just I'm just glad to do it and then be able to do the laundry and dishes at the same time <laughs> and provide the catering. The boss likes a ham sandwich light on the mustard. What yeah, is, of course, what is, always what is light Tony on the mustard. Like? You don't want the Coleman's to overpower the flavor of the sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. OK, so uh, the Doom Crew album, how many people are in your Doom Crew talking about your road crew? Well, I think what is there like 13 of us total that roll together? You know what I mean? That's the band and crew. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, your guitar tech is, is he uh, been your guitar tech for a long time? Yeah. Father Steve. Yep. Steve Morello. Father Steve uh, takes care of me and Dario. Okay. Awesome. This album in part is sort of a tribute to them and the fans, correct? Yeah, totally. Uh, the Doom Crew Incorporated. The, the Doom Crew is the first to bleed, last to leave. So without them, the, the machine doesn't run. But uh, yeah, pretty much a little, little ode to the the Doom Crew Incorporated. That's cool. When you first started Black Label Society, was it always the plan for you to be the singer or were you thinking maybe there might be a singer later on down the road? No, I, I knew I was going to do the singing, you know, because I'd already done Pride and Glory and I did Book of Shadows. So, yeah. Yeah. That, that was always going to be me, you know, because this way I don't have to deal with anything. Right. And I, you know, I enjoy singing and, and JD says, and that's not a good thing. <laughs> JD goes, yes, we understand, and that's not helping. JD fires them back at you as much as possible. Uh, it's uh, it's it's very unnice. It's very unnice. He's head of the unnicers union. It's terrible. Given the shit that you gave him in your book, I think it's probably uh, due justice, <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. 
<laughs> so put us in a room with Zach and Ozzy. How do you guys go about writing? You just come up with the riff and. Well, yeah, back at, back when we were doing it, you know, from no rest and no more tears and everything like that, Oz would just be like, well, Zach, what do you got? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like my job is the music department. Do you know what I mean? Right. So, yeah, I mean, it was, it was real simple. I mean, whether it was like Miracle Man, which was the first song I wrote with Oz, I mean, he would just say, Zach, which part am I singing on? You know, it's like dun, 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 that part, Oz. He's like, all right, well, keep playing it. And Oz is the best. I mean, you know, his love for the Beatles and what naturally comes out of him. I mean, it's just, he usually, very rarely would he ever, if it wasn't the first thing he sang, it's very rare that he'd come back and go, you know what? I, I don't like that melody I'm singing. I got to change it. Usually it's the first thing that comes out that inspires him mm -hmm. is he knocks it out of the park. Very rarely he would ever change it. Miracle Man was the first song you guys wrote together? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's like one of my favorite tunes. That's my ringtone. I mean, that is such a killer riff. Very cool. Such a great riff, such a great solo, such a great introduction to Zach. I mean, because that that was basically the first song we heard you on, right? Uh, yeah, that was the first video, first single. Yeah, totally. Actually, the first song on the record. Yeah, that's pretty killer. Let's get into the new album, Doom Crew, Inc., which is being released November 26th, just in time for the happy holidays, right? Uh, yeah, I guess. Uh, yep. Yeah, right after that Black Friday. The new album's going to be coming out. Yeah, 26. So you recorded this once again in the Black Vatican, which for people that don't know, that's your home studio, right? Yep. Did you have someone design that studio for you when you were building it? The recordings that have been coming out of there really are very sonically great. I mean, they sound awesome. Uh, thanks. No, I mean, actually, uh, our friend Zach, who was designing Ozzy's studio at the time when Ozzy lived at his other house, he was the one that actually designed ours so it was a you know guest house and we had it converted and we do all the albums there now you know what i mean so we can we can make the black labor flavor country donuts and then we can not only make them there we can box them up and ship them out you have uh jd out in the garage boxing them up and uh taping boxes then no he makes me do that <laughs> <laughs> oh so he's just weighing the packages then Yes, that's what he does. Perfect. He takes the orders and he just says, jackass, now go box up another 10 of them. And then you hand him a FedEx uh, uniform and he puts that on, right? Yes. Yeah. I, yes. And then off I go. <laughs> <laughs> the album, this album's definitely a Black Label Society album in every sense of the word. I've had roughly about a week to spend with it. And it's amazing. I mean, I really, really enjoy this record quite a bit in the short time that I've had with it. The dual guitar playing, the dual guitar sharing between you and Dario on this record, was this a conscious effort? Because that's a little bit different than past albums. Yeah, there's, it's, it's just an evolution, you know, where we're, where we're at now. I mean, it's just, uh, we've always had that, you know, I mean, with the second guitar, it's always necessary because I'm, when I'm playing piano or, you know, I need it for that. And now, you know, since Catacombs with the, my dying time, I ended up putting some harmonies in there. and um, when I put the harmonies on that thing, it makes it more, you know, like the Allman Brothers, it's nest. They need two guys in that band. Right. You know, Dwayne and Dickie would be doing harmonies all the time. You know what I mean? So, you know, if one of them didn't show up, you, you're missing those, those harmonies, which are such an integral part of the sound of the band. So this one more or less is kind of like that. And like with Judas Priest, you know what I mean? It would be when they're doing harmonies together, that's, that's part of the sound of the band or Thin Lizzy, you know what I mean? Like when we're doing guitar harmonies, you need them. Right. So 
with this album, I mean, there's a batch of harmonies in there, so you would need two guys. But also, you know, for the solos, I'd always have Dario, because Dario's such a great player. He plays guitar, he plays piano, he sings, he does dishes, laundry, he makes an amazing chicken piccata. <laughs> Doesn't use salt, he uses capers. And, you know, he's like, I don't need the salt. You don't want to oversalt the thing. Capers are much better. So he goes with that. And then, uh, but no, so Dario, you know, doing the trading off things, we just extended the solos. So, you know, I'd, I'd be like, Dario, I'm going to play this part here. Then you do another couple bars here. Then me, then you. And so what we did is I just, once once the, the tracks were all done, I just shipped them over to Dario's at his studio. You know, he has the dark chapel over there out in Vegas and he's doing his thing. So he just, you know, he tracked his stuff and, and knocked it out. So, you know, he just did it and killed it. And it was like, all right, done. Are you in Jersey or are you in California? I'm in New York right now. Yeah, doing press and everything like that, but uh, living out in California. So speaking of the trading off and guitar solos, first of all, the record is full of what you might expect from Zach in terms of solos. There's crazy guitar solos all over the place, but there's a song called Gather All My Sins that is, to me, absolutely ridiculous. You and Dario, and I, I'm assuming that that's what's going on because it sounds like two different guitar playing that just is like back and forth, ripping, shredding, melting faces in that particular song. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, no, that's the, that's the two of us going back and forth, man. You know, but it's just definitely on uh, 
But like you said, I mean, on a lot of them, I mean, Forsaken and everything like that, it's just, there's a lot of going back and forth at each other. It's great because we do it live, you know, with uh, Fire It Up and everything like that. We go out into the crowd and me and Dario do the same thing, like in, you know, Gather All My Sins, where I solo, then he goes, then I go, then he goes, and then we end up together. For something like Gather All My Sins, do you guys work that out beforehand or do you just roll tape and take whatever you like? Yeah, no, I, I played what I wanted to play. And then I just sent it to Dario over uh, at his studio. And I said, Dario, just put whatever you want to put on there. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, so he heard what I did and he was just like, you know, so it'll give him an idea to know what he wants to put. You know what I mean? I got you. I got you. Yeah. You said that. And I didn't, I didn't think about the fact that, yeah, you're not in the same room recording these days. No, no, we weren't sitting across from each other. When I, you know, like we do live. Yeah. Awesome. Yep, for a little bit of a quick lightning round with us. All right, you got it. All right. Song you wish you'd wrote? I guess it'd have to be White Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Non-rock or metal guilty pleasure? I don't know, because to me, I don't think, I don't don't feel guilty about it. I mean, I listen to everything from Yacht Rock to New Wave Essentials. I listen to jazz and I listen to, I listen to everything from, if I hear a black metal band or I hear anything you know i mean I, li- I listen to everything so i mean to me i don't i don't consider it a guilty pleasure you know i guess a guilty pleasure what would maybe yacht rock maybe i don't know I-, I love yacht rock yeah i think people get tripped up on the guilty pleasure that's just what they call it. it's a term you know yeah, i mean if, if it's good and you like it it's good yeah who cares first album you bought with your own money my own money i, I guess it would have to be a black sabbath so it'd have to be a sabbath record somewhere in there i remember my first sabbath record was my mother got it for me at the mall i i bought uh we sold our souls for rock and roll Fruity Pebbles or Captain Crunch? Um, fruity Pebbles. I'm a fruity kind of guy. What do you think, Barb? Fruity Pebbles or Captain Crunch? You never eat cereal in your life. I know. Captain but Crunch. if I have to eat them? Lucky Charms. You Well, you like Lucky Charms. Yeah, I actually probably Wheat Thins, man, if I was eating it. That's crackers. They're not cereal. <laughs> Wait, Wheat Thins. What are the other ones I'm thinking of? Wheat Checks? Cereals. Rice Checks? Wheat Rice Checks? Or actually, the one I usually would eat cereal is granola. The ones that are like rocks that chip your teeth. (laughs) Grape nuts. Yeah, grape nuts. There you go. (laughs) You know, when you want to just rip out every molar in your your teeth, you just want to crack every tooth you have. Uh, Yeah, go with the grape nuts. God, awful. (laughs) I want to go straight to the dentist right after that. That's so awful. It's brutal. It's just rocks. That's what it is. Gravel. Yeah, (laughs) totally. Total gravel. Favorite song to play live? Um, oh, White Christmas, because I like the publishing on that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Riff you wish you would have wrote? The riff I wish I would have wrote. Well, I guess because you'd like the publishing on that one as well. Smoke on the water, I guess. <laughs> Do you stream music? Do you listen to vinyl? What's what's your method of delivery? Do it all. Yeah, I'll listen. To, I'll, you know, I listen to use my phone and I, I listen to vinyl. Yeah. And my truck still has a CD player in it, actually. Do you use it? Yeah, uh, I got the new album in it. All right. If an album sounds good in the car, it sounds good everywhere. Yeah, that's where we test it. Yeah, that's right. And I don't have a, you know, I don't have a jacked up system or anything. I got your stock system that you got. I got in my car. Do you? <laughs> my wife just said I got to put coal in my truck. <laughs> <laughs> Pedal you can't live without. I guess it would have to be the distor- distortion pedal. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or your, or your wah. Nah, distortion yeah. pedal. Yeah, I don't need the wild. Stones or the Beatles? Oh, I'm a Stones guy. I, I love that the, the, the Beatles are the heavyweight champions of all time. Hands down, unbeatable, unmatchable as far as innovation and, 
the actual Goliath impact on the world. You know, you got it. There's no one close. I mean, it's the Beatles are first, second, and third, but I mean, there's their gold, silver, and bronze. Right. And then, then you got everybody else. But I mean, but no, I'm a, I'm a Stones guy. Yeah. I mean, if, if, if I was Desert Island, I'd have to go Stones. Yeah. Are you a Kiss fan at all? Back in the day, like uh, JD is, he's full blown Kiss. Mm-hmm. Mind you, when Dynasty came out, he smashed all his Kiss records <laughs> and he pulled the ripcord. Now he was done after that, but he's, but he had to go repurchase the records he smashed. But yeah. he loves everything up to Dynasty. But uh, no, I was always, I was always in the Sabbath. And then I discovered, Zeppelin and then uh then it was Bad Company and Skinner and Who and Stones and everything, you know, all classic rock. But you know, Kiss, I was never like my friends were massive Kiss fans, but I was I was more Sabbath. But I mean, uh, but no, as I've gotten older, I mean the songwriting on those records is is and the production, fabulous. Yeah, it really is, man. So the first single off the new record, Doom Crew Inc., was Set You Free. Who in their right mind? <laughs> came up with the video for that one the video concept i should say the video concept is my high school prom in jackson memorial high school in 1985 and it was a reenactment even with the guy getting his arms ripped off and beaten (laughs) profusely with his own arms and the bath salts all fact and the hairdo and the hairdos were exact hairdos of the band that was playing fantastic band wasn't black label was aunt mabel society aunt mabel society yes fantastic she was the manager of the band she didn't perform in the band but the band she managed them (laughs) a couple of my favorite tunes on this new record are obviously set you free is great destroying conquers really good i love gospel of lies i think is really cool do you have uh, a song or a particular group of songs that you gravitate towards right now well, no, I mean, I, I think it's all kind of like, you know, at a, at a New York deli, you know, if we go to a good deli, it depends on what you're in the mood for that day. You know what I mean? Right. You want to get the tuna salad? You want to get the roast beef? What are you going to go with today? You know, the corned beef, you're going with the, the rye, the, the sauerkraut. What are you going to get? You know what I mean? It's all good. You're going with the turkey. What are you going to get, man? <laughs> Maybe a good omelet. Who knows? <laughs> the whole record as a whole is really good. You guys did an awesome job on this. And I'm glad the people get to hear it on uh, November 26th when it's released. Doom Crew Inc. Zach Wild, you have been awesome. Thank you so much for spending time on the Grown Up Rock podcast, man. You got it, my brother. First, it was great talking to you, buddy. Have a good one, Zach. Thank you, buddy. You got it, my brother. It's great talking to you, buddy. You too. See ya. Take care, brother. Bye. Get ready to shuffle, rattle, and roll. Play us out, boys.
Everyone's got a rock and roll story to tell, and we want to hear yours. So go to our website at growinguprock.com. That's one word, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K.com. Or visit us on our Facebook page at Growing Up Rock and tell us all about it. What's going on, gang? Zach Wild, Black Little Saudi. We're all doing a hang on Growing Up Rock podcast with Steve and Michael. Yeah! 